12th as we were recording this now after the stanley cup finals jim i think it's official uh i'm the biggest genius ever calling at the beginning of the playoffs the pittsburgh penguins 2017 stanley cup champions oh feels so good yeah i uh you know hats off to you buddy i again lose another bet um Sucks to suck. Let me tell you. I'm a real idiot. but <laughs> Man, it, it's so funny because we looked at our Instagram. Everyone was chirping me. Everyone oh, said, Joe, you had a terrible thing. And you know what? For the most part, they were right. I had uh, I had them playing the Blackhawks in the uh, in the finals. Oh, I had the Blackhawks in the finals too. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, when push, push comes to shove, it's uh, it's nice that I, I picked the uh, – Stanley Cup winner. Yeah, and then you know what? It's that means another stupid punishment for me. Uh, oh, I can't wait. And I uh, think we'll reveal that next episode. We still got to think about it. Uh, yeah, we got to conjure up some ideas. And I got to see how uh, evil I can be. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the actual game uh, a little bit and kind of uh, the the Penguins' place in in history here. So, I, I thought it was a really really good hockey game for as low scoring that it was. It kind of didn't follow suit to the entire series best game of the series by far absolutely yeah, yeah so uh patrick hornquist getting the uh getting the revenge on his own own team uh, old team rather and uh burying the puck in the back of the net it just seems like pittsburgh gets every single bounce and that was the way you know the, the series went like every single bounce went to pittsburgh which uh unfortunately stinks because you know i i even though I had Pittsburgh in the bracket, I was kind of pulling for Nashville, and I said Nashville in six, uh, and I was eventually wrong about that. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it just seemed like the puck was was always going Pittsburgh's way. Yeah, I know. For, for whatever reason, you know, there's, you know, I don't know what it, Nashville worked their bag off, so you can kind of go with the execution versus, uh, um, sorry, effort versus execution, and. There's no doubting that Nashville, I thought, had the effort most of the series, if not all of it. Um, but they just couldn't execute. I think really the injury to to Ryan Johansson really caught up to them in this series. Um, beyond that first line, there really wasn't much depth scoring. Um, I think Philip Forsberg really needed to step to the forefront and prove that he's a, an elite-level goal scorer talent. And he just couldn't do that in this uh, in the Stanley Cup final. And you know what? Hats off to that. You know, patch him up, makeshift decor by uh, Jim Rutherford and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, yeah, they had guys like Ron Hainsey and Brian Dumoulin logging solid, like last minute penalty kill minutes. Ian Cole was tough as hell in front of the net. Um, you know, Daly was great too. Um, Justin Schultz. You know, finding lanes, getting that puck through. Um, even though it missed the net, you know, it, at least he hit the end wall. He found a way to get it towards the net and eventually led to, uh, you know, Patrick Hornfist burying that uh, that game winning goal with about a minute 35 left. So, you know, with, you know, who would have thought going in the narrative would be the that the Pittsburgh Penguins with Brian Dumoulin logging 28 minutes of ice, 
um, in the Stanley Cup final game six clinching game um, ends up taking it. So, I, you know, I, I don't think I would – I think you ask anyone, no one would predict that. So uh, No, it was, it was constantly a next man up kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what great teams do. I mean, you look at kind of – not to make a comparison to the NFL, but that's the Patriot way. <clears throat> is it's just next man up, next man up. But uh, I think I want to touch on two, two points and, and really what made this team special and similar to the Patriots, you know, their leader, Sidney Crosby, who uh, kind of has solidified himself as the – obviously he's been the best player in the world and now he's just cementing his legacy as one of the best players of all time. And uh, He's probably the best – honestly, probably best player in the past 20 years. Oh, no question. And uh, I, just to touch on like the year or the 365 days that he's had, um, in the past two seasons, he's racked up two Stanley Cups, two Conn Smythe trophies, uh, gold medal in the World Cup this year, along with World Cup uh, MVP, uh, po- possible heart candidate for this year, uh, and he won the Rocket Richard last year. So, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? He honest, he pisses so many people off, and that's be- – and it's – it's. I don't know why, man. I, I, no, I, no, he's such a treat to watch. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of – it's tough to say, but you can't really appreciate him because you hate him or people hate him so much. But if you kind of take a step back and you just look at, holy cow, we are watching one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we'll, we'll just use this comparison because they've been pitted against each other ever since they entered the league, the Crosby-Ovechkin uh, comparison. I think the big difference between those two players, obviously one's a center, one's a winger, but Crosby cares. You can tell that he cares that much more about the 200-foot game. Ovechkin's... You know, I especially in that Pittsburgh series, man. He just got outclassed by Crosby. He that that's where he asserted himself for me, uh, Sidney Crosby. That is that he is one of the greats of of all time, and that you know, even when he's not putting points up, he's still affecting the game in other ways. Whereas Alexander Ovechkin, if he's not scoring goals, he's really not you know affecting the game in a positive way, at least for me. And that's. And he I, doesn't I, play two-way hockey. He's not a two- exactly, and, and we saw it ring true in Game Seven where he got absolutely exposed on two of the goals. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, tip the hat to Sidney Crosby. We'll, we'll talk more about him and his kind of legacy and where he kind of stacks up in the and the against the all-time greats uh, later later in the show. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he he's a leader. Uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, the the head coach of of Pittsburgh, came out and said he's the most driven athlete. Uh, he's ever come across, and this is coming from a guy who's not only coached in the league, but uh, he's played in the league for a long time too. So he's he's played against and with a lot of great players. So um, you know, it's he especially you know with him and him him and Malkin. Um, I think what's lost as well. I want to I want to bring Malkin into this is when they signed their their extensions years years ago. Um, they took less money. Like if you look at Sidney Crosby's contract, it was I think it was a, I believe it was a twelve year deal at 104, 104 million. That's a bargain for Sidney Crosby. Absolutely. And he, he's the kind of guy, again, kind of like a Tom Brady, he, he was willing to take less money uh, in a salary cap era to kind of help the team uh, sign other like, impact players. And Geno Malkin did the same same thing. So I, I don't want that to get lost either, that Evgeny Malkin uh, has played just as an integral part of this as, as Sidney Crosby has because uh, not only has he produced points-wise, but he competes, man. He cares. He, he's... 
he's about the boys. Like he wants to see the team succeed. He he cares about winning. And you know, we'll, again, we'll go back to Ovechkin and maybe other Russians. I you know, Malkin is a Russian, but he's there's something different about him. He's not your prototypical Russian. He's he's that leader. He's maybe the more of that silent guy. But man, I I think a lot of, he he garners a lot of respect not only in the the Penguins dressing room but throughout the league, and it showed in this playoff series run. For Definitely, and it's it's probably his relationship with Sidney Crosby. Honestly, when you have those two guys that are united behind a common goal, it's amazing. Um, I don't know necessarily if Ovechkin has that relationship with anybody in that locker room and that can kind of... I think the know. only relationship he has is with uh, Ted Leonsis, the owner, and it's about building the business, I think, you know, in all honesty. but Yeah, absolutely. We won't, we won't go into that. but And, and how about uh, Malkin uh, shattering his nose on the on the celly last night? Yeah, apparently on Matt Murray's cage. So, I, you know, it's funny. I was watching this cup celebration. I'm like, Murray, what do you got your bucket on still for? Take that thing off. <laughs> you know what? It, it's it's ironic that it, it led to a broken nose. <laughs> well, you know, Murray's he doesn't have the prettiest of faces. So That's I get true. To he, keep he, is, he is. He uh, is. I wouldn't say he's a captain of the all the team, but he's uh, definitely. Yeah, he looked like a second or third liner on that team. <laughs> he's had his face thrown in a blender a couple times and, and pulsed on high. But, um, but speaking of but Matt, speaking but, of Matt, yeah. Well, oh, good. We had the same thought. We wanted yeah, to talk about Matt Murray. Uh, but while we're chirping the guy. Um, he's got two ring. He's got two rings. One on his finger. One already coming. Uh, holy cow! Twenty-three years old. Uh, a year younger than me. Decades younger than Jim. Uh, and <laughs> four years younger than me. Not four even years I- younger than you. All right, I was close. Um, <laughs> he's got two Stanley Cups. I mean, really? I, I hate to say it, but like at one point, to the, to the almost like nothing affects him, and and he's just going to get more poised and more, uh, you know, calm and, and better as he as he gets older and more experienced. And holy shit, Pittsburgh just—they're in luck. Yeah, I mean, I hey, I was going to say this: like goalies don't usually peak until they're about twenty-seven, twenty-eight, anyways, or maybe not even peak, but uh, you know, they they really start to you know. They start to really see that improvement, that development. And I think a lot of it has to do with mental game, the mental part of the game. And I think Matt Murray's ahead of the curve in that way, in that fashion. Like you said, he's unflappable. Um, he doesn't seem like he's a 23-year-old kid who's got, he's got like you said, he's, he's got two cup rings and he's still technically a rookie. So um, He's got that. Yeah, and listen to this too. Like, I think Sidney Crosby <laughs> deserved to win this the, the Smythe. Like we talked about earlier, he affects the game in so many different ways, even when he's not producing points. But man, the way Matt Murray finished that ser- that's that Stanley Cup Finals, I think he had like a one point three seven or one point four seven goals against average. And yeah, a nine thirty nine, um, with th- the three shutouts. Man, especially when it counted the most. That's and what I mean. Like, he- I think if it was if there was almost if for whatever reason you couldn't have like a co Vesna, I would say Flurry and Murray deserve it over Crosby. Yeah, I mean, you mean a, a co-consmith, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I the Vesna, that's the next question I was going to ask is how long is it before this kid wins the Vesna? Yeah, I mean, there's – he's just got to – I think his problem is he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, like, sure. Other than that, like he's got the ability – he's bigger than Carey Price. He moves almost as, as efficiently. His tracking is great. He's athletic. He's got good hands. Um, he re- obviously reads the play well because he's never scrambling or very rarely scrambling for pucks. He's got like he's in the maturity level we touched on. He's he's got all the tools to be an elite level goaltender. And you know what? I, at this point, 
I might say he's a top ten goalie in the league right now. That's fair. That's that's un- entirely fair. And you know what? He's twenty three, and, and the sky's the limit. You look at guys who are kind of in his age range. Um, you know, Hellebuck, um, John Gibson. Um, he's head and heels above these guys, like head and heels above these guys. It's, yeah, absolutely. And and those are guys that he's stacked up against. Like uh, those are comparable. So, um, you know, like you said, Pittsburgh's hit gold. Um, it, well, it's silver too. <laughs> couple times here but uh, yeah and then another thing that's lost in this first team to to go back to back in the salary cap era so uh, hats off to Jim Rutherford and, and the management group up there piecing piecing everything together and making it work uh and again hats off to Crosby and, and uh, Malkin for taking salary cuts too for sure yeah. uh real real before we get, get over to Nashville and their situation uh ch- percentage wise chances they do it again next year um I mean really who are they losing I mean, they're nah. gonna lose Flurry. Flurry's gone. Yeah, but um, they're gonna lose probably a couple of their defensemen. Um, they'll get Latang back though, so that that helps. Up front, they'll. Up front, I looked at something today. They're gonna lose Kunitz probably. Um, they're Matt, not gonna lose Kunitz. Are you kidding? Oh, Kunitz. Sorry, yeah. I thought you meant Latang. That's my fault. No, Kunitz. Uh, Collins gonna retire. He's all but said it. I'd be very shocked if he came back. And I think Matt Cullen, underrated game last night. I think he was one of the best players on the ice. Um, guy was winning every draw, blocking shots, you know, winning puck battles first, like winning puck like races to pucks. He, he did all the little things. He didn't produce, didn't put up any points, but he did everything right. He, those, those are things that go unnoticed, but um, like to the to the to the untrained eye, but. You know, to, to the hockey world and, get, and people who understand the game, he, for me, I thought he was really an integral part of the, the Pens winning that, that game last night. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like losing guys like that. But as you said, like they continue to have next man up mentality. Like Gensel is going to get better. Sheary's going to get better. Um, That's what's scary. Is the yeah. Like, Hornquist is going to be there. Yeah, like he, he was banged up this year. So, you know, hopefully he can get a good summer of rest in and, and training in, and he can get back to his his uh, his old self. Um, yeah, kind of kind of a mock preview I'm looking at right now. Uh, forwards protected: Malkin, Crosby, Kessel, Haglin, Rust, Kunakel, Hornquist, D, Latang, Schultz, Dumoulin, and then uh, Murray yeah. over Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. So. So Ole Mata would be unprotected. Daly would be unprotected. Wilson would be unprotected. Um, Benino is an unrestricted free agent anyway. He, he, that's a guy that Pittsburgh should re-sign, but he might garner a lot of attention um, in the market if he decides to go. Yeah, but then again, why would you? I mean, really, if you're Nick Benino, I would sign for less. Yeah, why? Why would you? Yeah, you don't know, right? Like he, not everyone's like that. So you can't, true, true. You also can't fault a guy for wanting to go get his money. So definitely, there's, there's right. question marks, but definitely okay. So actually, so percentage wise. It's so hard to go back to back, let alone three Pete. You know, I'm gonna. This might even be high, but 30, 33. I'll go thirty five percent. I was gonna say twenty. Thirty no thirty three percent. I'll give them one to three. Just just because Matt Murray's gonna get better. They're not really losing their core. Um, Latang is gonna come back. And then they'll be able to fill fill his. Uh, you know, Duman instead of Duman playing twenty eight minutes a game, it's gonna be Crystal Tang. 
So true. All right. So we're going to go and focus on Nashville right now. And I think, uh, what better way to introduce Nashville than we're going to, uh, talk about the one play that, uh, kind of defined last night's game. And it just so happens that the person involved, the referee, Kevin Pollock is our nominee for pigeon of the week. So without further ado, here's Claudia Giroux. Pigeon. All right. Thank you again, Claudie. Uh, Kevin Pollock, as I said before, is uh, this week's Pigeon of the Week. He uh, made the infamous call last night. Uh, Blue stopped the play dead after uh, Matt Murray was uh, juggling the uh, juggling the puck there for a little bit. Blew the whistle early. Colton Sissons found the back of the net sh- uh, shortly after the whistle. And uh, I think everyone universally... Is, is under the same uh, agreement that it was a quick whistle and it was a really shit call. And uh, I understand that, you know, the ref, as soon as he loses sight of the puck, that this is the big argument. As soon as the ref loses sight of the puck, he's supposed to blow the whistle, plays dead, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch Pollock, he does absolutely nothing to get himself in better position uh, to make that call. He's just standing stagnant right in the same area, looking, blowing the whistle. Uh, and... It it really it rattled my cage. I know I know Jim, you're you're pissed off about it too. I understand it's it's the law. I mean, as soon as the whistle's dead too, we can't review it. So it just it, it really ruined. I thought, you know, Nashville's momentum. They get another goal called back. They get it. Blah blah blah. blah. And uh, it, it gave Pittsburgh more life and and kind of made the game. I don't know. It, it gave Pittsburgh another another bounce. Yeah. So. I, you're right. Letter of the law, you lose sight of the puck, blow the whistle. And I think also what maybe played into it is how efficient and the way Matt Murray plays is he gobbles pucks up, and usually those don't leak through him. So maybe, you know, Pollock got a little, you know, he just kind of figured that Murray's going to control that and kind of just eased up a bit. Um, well, yeah. And, and, but you know what? That's not an excuse. You're, you're refing the a, – a, Clinching game in the Stanley Cup Finals, like you need to be on point. You can't make a mistake like that. Like you said, he can't be gliding. And he's got to go 100. percent No, I'm not a referee. I don't know all the tech- technical aspects behind it, but he's got to do whatever he has to do to get into to position to uh, you know t- to give him a better angle to see if that puck were to leak through. And you know, it's it's no solace to to, to Nashville because you know I think if that goal goes in, but it was like what a minute, maybe two minutes, not even. No, it was like a, just over a minute into the second period. So. You know, that goal goes in. That's a whole new dynamic of that game, right? Especially in how tight yeah, check that game was last night and how good the goaltending was. Uh, yep. That could have been right there your difference maker, right? And, and it's and it's a weak goal for Murray. I mean, really, he should have. Yeah. It, it was a straight shot right right under the uh, right in the arm. And uh, it, I, I think I was telling my buddies about this too. Murray did a pretty good job of selling it too because usually when you see the goalie clinch like that and kind of fall backwards – that's usually almost the goalie protecting himself and trying yeah. to. Yeah, so actually, it's funny you say that. So I was watching the game with a couple buddies last night, uh, and I was just talking about his glove positioning, right? And you could tell it kind of caught him on the arm, right? It mm-hmm. hit the bottom, like cuffed him, and then kind of hit up in his arm. And what I could, what I think, my educated guess on what he was thinking, is he thought that he kind of had it, and he was trying to squeeze his elbow. And then his weight, with him kind of bringing his elbow back, his weight kind of fell back a bit too. Whereas you're right, like maybe for a goalie like Marc Andre Fleury, who's got a little bit more going on in his game, he maybe like flails, right, and tries mm-hmm. to really battle 
battle, uh, air quotes for that. Not to say that Murray wasn't battling for it because it's just a different type of, you know, approach to the to the goaltending position. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's might have gone into the thought process of Kevin Pollock too. Whereas if you, you're right, if you see a goalie maybe flailing back, you're like, okay, that puck's loose, right? The, the, you know, but at the end of the day, it was a missed call. Uh, should have been a goal, and uh, it sucks. But you know, uh, those things happen in, throughout a hockey game or a hockey series, and you got to be able to to withstand that and bounce back. So yeah, absolutely. So that that kind of stinks. So uh, we can talk a little bit here uh, about uh, Nashville. Um, man, it just felt like going into this series, they had everything going for them, and Pittsburgh was just so depleted. You know, they'd got up. Came came off of like just a war with Ottawa, yeah. And the Preds had that extra time, and they 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 just had everything working for them. But uh, I think what really cost them was their lack of offensive depth. So I agree. Obviously, their D are real good. Uh, that top four is probably the best in the NHL. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that. Uh, no. They're all man. They're all in their prime. Like Ekholm's a ninety-one. Ellis is a ninety-one. Uh, Yossi's a ninety. And Subban's an '89, so that's and these are all birth years. Um, so like they're they're gonna be around. They're gonna be they're gonna be there to stay. That's set in stone there. So I think what Nashville kind of has to target because they're not really gonna lose many guys. Like they'll probably lose a guy like maybe Cal Yarncrook to the expansion draft. Um, I could see him going, um, but. As far as like maybe Mike Fisher might retire, there's been some whispers of that. But I think with them losing in the Cup Finals, he's probably going to want to come back for at least one more year. But I think they need to get more depth down the middle. Like if you look at Ryan Johansson, obviously the dynamic for sure, number one center, no questions about that. But their other centermen are maybe more fitted in like a third, fourth line role. They need that set, like solid second line center. And they need Philip Forsberg to take another step in his development. I like that Pontus Auberg. I think he's showed a lot to be able to develop into a good player. Um, like they can play, like put up points. Arvidsson obviously scored 31 goals this year. Hopefully he can duplicate that for them again next year. Um, so I think Nashville has good pieces in place. They just they need to get something done. And, and you know, of late, David Poyle has been the kind of the GM to show that he's shown aggressiveness and He's he's willing to make those trades so uh, or do whatever it takes to get a, a player of that type so of that caliber so um, maybe we'll see something in this next week leading up to the uh, expansion draft where they they get a player like that. Uh, oh yeah, or, you got to keep your foot on the gas. I mean, I, and I think he probably knows it too because he's got to strike while the iron's hot here. I mean, I don't think hockey's ever been bigger in Nashville, and that's not exactly like a a wild. A wild comment for me to make or a stretch to make it it is absolutely huge right now so i mean if, if you're the gm you just got to think okay i need to make this team as good as they can be because right now they're right there for sure uh, i mean we can go into percentages again with nashville getting back to the finals i think their percentages are almost as good as P- pittsburgh sorry i'd say higher almost yeah i, I can make definitely make the case for it and I, I i wouldn't be disappointed if we saw this if we uh Little Golden State, Cleveland. Uh, we'll see you guys again next year. You want to know something? Uh, this is there's obviously a lot, and I shouldn't be saying this now because there's a lot that's going to happen in the next couple weeks, uh, leading up to July one. Uh, so, but I I really think you know it's we could see another Nashville. 
uh, Pittsburgh final. Like I, I think Pecorino, he's getting up there in age, but I think he's got, I think he's got a couple more years left in the tank. Um, so Nashville's got a strike in the next year or two. And you know what? That UC Soros kid's, I think it's going to be pretty good. He's just undersized, but man, I like him. Um, so he, that's beside the point. But I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the next year or two, this is where Nashville's got to really, uh, you know, take that step. And you can kind of make comparisons to this Nashville team to how Pittsburgh was back in 08, 09 when they lost to Detroit, right? Yeah, I, you can see a lot of similarities between those two te- those two teams. So these are guys that have gone through that rigorous four-round battle. They fell just short. You know, they've learned how to win tight, you know, playoff-type games. Um, their guys are going to – their forwards are pretty young and they're, they're inexperienced. And so I think this, this, uh, this whole Stanley Cup playoff run experience is going to be really important for them. And if they can harness that, you know, that crushing defeat and, and use that as fire – I think this team could be, you know, someone to watch for. And you know what? The next year they're not gonna. The one thing though, they're not gonna be that underdog role. Um, they're not gonna be that 16th seed coming into the playoffs. They're gonna teams are gonna be gunning for them, obviously. So um, they gotta be aware of that. But um, I, I do really think that Nashville has a lot of good pieces in place. And they're not really losing a lot. Be interesting, like I said, it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next week or two about the uh, with expansion and all that and any possible deals but uh yeah we'll, we'll I, I like i said i, I i'll if i gave pittsburgh 33 percent chance I, i'm gonna give nashville 35 <laughs> all right uh yeah i'd probably give him i'd give him just about the same that 20 because you still have chicago that's you know lurking out there you have san jose who's not uh san jose's getting old uh but anyway and your your leafs whatever um they don't have to worry about the leafs till the finals and i i, I don't think well, we'll talk more about the Leafs in our next episode. They don't have to worry about the Leafs. Still. I, I think oh, okay. I think what the Leafs still. We'll, have yeah, we'll, we'll give a huge preview in our next episode. But right now, I think we want to uh, kick it over to our interview with uh, Brandon Com. Uh, Brandon, I, we did that interview. Uh, well, I did it live. Brandon was in my living room, and uh, we pulled in Jimmy over the phone. But uh, man, he's he's got a really dynamic personality, and I, we had a lot. I had a lot of fun with the interview. I think. Uh, yeah, I did too. too. He's someone that uh, you know. I, I had the. The privilege to play against for a few years in college. We were uh, in the same conference, so we got to got to play each other. It was uh, so it was kind of cool to catch up with him uh, now that he's you know gone on to the pro ranks and uh, you know we talk a little bit about uh, the college days and and uh, how he's uh, how he's liking playing in the East Coast League over in Idaho. So with that, definitely, we'll take it over to the, the interview with uh, Brandon Com. All right, and we'd now like to welcome onto the podcast Brandon Com of the Idaho Steelheads in the East Coast Hockey League. Brandon, welcome on. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> we got a little aha goalie in the house. Yeah, I know. We got a couple of weird goalies in the house. Uh, you know, Brandon played at uh, at Bentley, so a little bit of rivals here of me being at Mercyhurst. So we had the the West and East pod here represented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mer- the Mercyhurst Bentley rivalry was really fierce, and uh, Pack Barnes, a lot of you know name calling. That's the fiercest rivalry in the AHA, right, Jim? Oh yeah, the Mick was always packed, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of heartbreaks on the Bentley end, though. Mercyhurst ended up uh, on the top quite a bit of times. So yeah, well, you're still playing, and I'm uh, I'm sitting here doing this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Something to be said for that. <laughs> so actually, since we're on the topic of college hockey right now, um, kind of just talk about what kind of led you to Bentley. Um, you yeah. Know, you, well, you went I, in as like a 19-year-old, correct? 
Yeah, I went right after prep school. So um, I, I only had really a couple offers out of prep school. Um, I know a lot of guys go juniors and stuff. Um, and so I just weighed out my options. And uh, Bentley University is one of those teams that came forward to me. And obviously, you know, they're really known well for their academics. And so um, uh, that was one of the things that, you know, I was looking at. And Bentley um, kind of just gave me a shot. And I just wanted to go with it. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned the academics. Uh, you know, I... You know, throughout the league, Bentley, I think, probably is, you know, other than probably the, the service school is probably the be- one of the better schools within the league uh, academics-wise. So kind of talk about, um, you know, the rigorous business course that you took at, uh, at Bentley while, all while juggling the Division I uh, athletic schedule. Yeah, it was pretty tough academically. I, I graduated with a corporate finance and accounting major, and I also got a minor in law. Um, you know, it was tough. The classrooms were, were all professional. It was, it was really cool and stuff. Um, I know a lot of guys, you know, their first year is kind of coming in, whether it be from juniors or wherever they're coming from. Um, it's kind of a reality check. Um, it, it's pretty tough for them to kind of go right into it with that tough of an academic schedule. But, um, you know, it was pretty good. The teachers, it was kind of funny. Like, we're the only Division One team on campus, but nobody really knew we were Division One, And so, like, we didn't get any, you know, special treatment from the professors or anything like that if anything was just kind of harder and you know sometimes you have to miss class because you're going on the road and they just could not understand why you're missing class so um we didn't get any special treatment by any by any standards but um you know it was good it was a tough four years but i'm glad that you know i went there ultimately yeah plus he's coming in as a 19 year old he didn't have that extra two years to study (laughs) up like you're there jimbo yeah i did a lot of studying in those two years that i uh that i was playing junior so I, I st- studied a lot of Halo and show. That's what I, I mean, is, is it tough when you go from juniors and then all of a sudden have to go and, and do all that, that homework and stuff? Uh, to be honest, like as a Canadian, um, I found like I found I was a little more pre- prepared. I, I found the school a little easier actually than our high school. Maybe oh. that's just the Mercyhurst education, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's not the most uh, academically well-renowned school, um, but. I don't know. I think I it's pretty funny. Uh, our, actually, our last guest, Kyle Justy, he tweeted out a photo a couple of years ago that kind of stuck with me, and it was Peter Griffin sitting in a class full of third graders. And <laughs> I said, that's how Canadian hockey players feel in like a classroom full of freshmen. Yeah, it's funny, especially freshman dorm. You go in, and I was, I was an overager, so I was like 21 going in, and there's... So they're all like eighteen year olds. It was funny. Me and uh, me and my roommate were <laughs> would joke about it. Like we we were on the the fourth floor and got like kids would be playing with their Nerf guns. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, hey man, that's, that's where we met. All right, don't don't trip the fourth floor. You weren't one of those guys though, Joe. Right. Or maybe um, you were. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you kind of touched on the, the the special treatment sort of thing. Do you feel like that kind of did you enjoy that you were almost one of you're just one of another student? You didn't get that big D one treatment because I don't, you touched on it. Bentley, oh, well, it's it's more of an academic school instead of like a focused yeah. athletic school. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if there's help to be given, I wouldn't mind taking extra help from the professors. But um, <laughs> I mean, that really wasn't even an option. And it's kind of like you come in there, you know, to school. It's like, yeah, I'm one of the hockey players, and like, okay, like great, like nothing. So, you know what I mean? They don't even know. A lot of them are like, it's Division One. That's crazy. So it's hopefully they know a little better now. I know the um, you know they're building a new rink on campus and stuff. So hopefully they kind of get the memo. But um, I mean, I, ultimately in the end, I think it helped me. Probably not getting any special treatment or anything like that because 
um, you know, you still had to write all those papers and stuff on the road and take tests sometimes. So it's, I don't know, I guess I'm better in the end for it. Oh yeah. I remember all the boys would all push for, for road tests. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at a couple of teammates in your class. <laughs> yeah, you get the, the one monitor checking in on you. So, um, yeah, no, I never had to do that, but, um, yeah, I know that's something that all the boys wanted. Yeah, so sure. how is the uh, the atmosphere about How is you mentioned that they're kind of rebuilding their uh, their uh, arena? So how, how was it when you were when you were there? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of embraced it. Our, our rink was rated uh, the worst Division One rink of all the teams, so it was one of those things where you just kind of had to embrace it. Um, but I mean, the the school itself it's in a really cool area. It's in that Boston area, so um, it's got a good energy to it just from being around the city. And then, um, obviously, like the, the school itself is, you know, like the classrooms, everything. If you go there, it's real high tech. So it's, um, you definitely feel cool being there. And so I guess that kind of atmosphere translated to the games. And um, they were fun games. We made the best of it. And I think with the new arena, hopefully they um, keep that atmosphere and energy going. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine I, any other colleges they'd want to see in the Boston area to watch play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll be honest, going into the jar. That was probably the coldest rink I think I've ever played in. Oh, I, God, I remember like worst. morning skates. It'd be like below zero and or, or sorry, below thirty-two for you guys. And uh, you used to be getting dingers right in your hand. I, I'd hate the worst. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst stingers. Sometimes you're just like, all right, I'm gonna let half of these go in so I don't break my hand. But <laughs> like half the time, the hot water wouldn't work for the showers. So I, I remember, like, Niagara, they had a bus all the way over to us, and then they end up, after one of the games, they couldn't even shower because there's no hot water. And so they had a bus back all stinky and stuff. I don't know how long of a bus ride. It was probably, like, 10 hours. But, I mean, there's a lot of miserable stories from that place, but I guess, I don't know, it's, it's kind of fun looking back on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, I think it's a home ice advantage at the end of the day. But it'll be good getting a new barn that will uh... – you know, they actually Bentley's been a pretty good team ever ever since I've been in the league. But you know, it'll attract you know probably better recruits as well with the better. Yeah, right. I mean, the, I mean they're always top contenders for you know the league, and we've had some big uh, upsets. We beat BU and stuff in Northeastern. Um, so I mean, we definitely uh, have the ability, and then I think just uh, with the new arena, hopefully, just um, kind of helps propel things for the right direction. Absolutely. So uh, just to kind of finish up on your Bentley career you had three years in a row where you had over a thousand saves which is that's a pretty good accomplishment in such a, a short university division one season so uh, I just want to congratulate you on that and that probably led you into getting uh, the opportunity to play in the East Coast League so now uh, now on to your pro professional career kind of what uh, tell us a bit about the first couple of years because you played on uh, looks like was it four four teams in the first like a year and a half or so the big Midwest guy. Honestly, I could write a book on my my first year um, alone getting into the um, to the league. It was, it was extremely tough um, for those who don't really know about the ECHL. Um, it's a de development league and a feeder league for you know the AHL and the NHL. And so a lot of these teams will put their drafted players um, or contracted players on these teams to develop um, and to get a lot of games under their belt. So as an undrafted, you know, free agent goalie coming from a small named, um, college, it was extremely tough. I thought, you know, there was going to be more opportunities for me to get in there, but really my, my first year, um, even my second year was just about getting games just when, you know, a, a goalie was injured and then they'd give me a call and I'd be able to maybe get a game or two, um, in at a time. So it was really just about building my resume for the first, two years and then um, I finished up my second year 
uh, with Idaho Steelheads, and it was one of those things where you know the coach really liked me and and signed me pretty early um, in the off season. And uh, I think just having that stability within this past year and being able to get a lot of games under my belt, um, it really helped you know my professional career. And hopefully, I have some more opportunities you know coming in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So and it's funny you say Idaho too. Like that's when you think hockey, you don't think of Idaho. So maybe tell us a little bit what it's like playing out in the in Idaho, kind of west there. Yeah, because it's it's kind of. Well, like, I mean, I'm. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I was um I was with the uh, South Carolina Stingrays, and then I got traded to Idaho. And when they told me that, my first reaction was like, I don't even know where Idaho is. Like, I can't even point it on a map. I have no idea anything about it. And they told me, like, you're going to love it there. It's really a gem of a place. So it, it was in Boise, Idaho, where we play. And it really is, you know, an absolute gem of a city. It's right tucked in the mountains. Um, just like a great outdoor feel to it. The city itself is, it's thriving right now. Like, it, they're building a bunch of new buildings there. And, and I don't know, like, I've lived in Boston. I've traveled around New York City quite a bit. And traffic just absolutely gets me makes me the worst person in the world just because I get so frustrated in traffic and in Boise it's like there's no traffic whatsoever like no problems parking it's just a, a fun college place and uh I mean I love it there it was really a, a really good place to end up at nice that's awesome yeah so uh, oh yeah it's like a Buffalo New York thriving and on the up yeah for sure Buffalo <laughs> oh yeah Cool. Honestly, you'd be surprised though. Like a lot of my teammates, guys from Winnipeg, guys from Canada, they're they're Buffalo Bills fans. So every Sunday we'd get together, you know, watch the game, and by there it's it's eleven o'clock in the morning. So you know when you're uh, out and about in your Buffalo Bills gear and stuff at eleven o'clock in the morning, you get some looks. But uh, we're representing Bills Mafia for sure. Oh, nice. You guys chucking each other through tables too. <laughs> nah, uh, we'd get in trouble if we did that. But actually, I got my helmet painted. And on the back, I got a, a Buffalo Bills Mafia um, thing to kind of represent. So um, even though I'm in Idaho, I'm still uh, I'm still Bills Mafia very much so. Nice. Well, now that we're on the football uh, topic right now, do you have you ever had a chance to go check out the Boise State uh, college football games? I don't know how how close that is to Idaho. We, we got the surf turf. Never went to a game, but we were able to go onto the turf, the blue turf and stuff, take pictures. And actually, a lot of the you know the football players are Idaho Steelheads fans. So I actually had to sign you know some sticks and give it to uh, some of the guys and stuff. And we we're hoping to get some signed footballs or something in return. But uh, hopefully, I don't know if I do end up going there next year. That's definitely going to be something that I want to go check out for sure. Yeah, they're they're big time in them, Jimbo. We don't like th- those D one athletes big time in them. <laughs> Yeah, those those primed and uh, you know they're they're those deep division what athletes are so pampered, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I got a I got a funny stat thrown out. I'm looking at uh, <clears throat> your stats right now. One game with since the Cincinnati Cyclones as well. You tout a uh, yeah perfect save percentage there. Honestly, this is also a crazy story. So this is my my first year. Um, I went to Cincinnati because one of their goalies had to get called up, so I went there and. That goalie got sent back down the same, like, and I was going to be sent home that day. While I'm sitting on the bench, third period starts, the one goalie gets hit in the head, and he has to leave. He's bleeding and stuff, so I go in. We're down, I think, by one goal. We end up tying it um, and then going into overtime and then into the shootout, and then, you know, I stopped all the shootout shots, and we ended up winning, and that was my first win. And this was, like, the same day that I was supposed to be getting released. So that... uh that kind of helped, you know, 
my confidence, and then I ended up getting uh, traded back to the team that I started off with, the Evansville Icemen. So I'm telling you, if there's like a map dripping out of, of how I ended up in certain places and you know, there's a lot of lucky bounces that happen along the way. And um, that was just kind of one of those where, I mean, I, I didn't get any, they didn't give me any opportunities after the fact, but I think just being able to get into that one game and get, you know, my first win and stuff, um, that was kind of a funny story that uh, ended up in my favor. You didn't try the Skyline Chili in Cincinnati, did you? I actually did try it. Yeah, of course. I, I you know, I'm a big travel guy. I love all the food. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I tried some. Uh, I think it's overhyped. I don't know, but it wasn't my cup of tea. But I tried it. I don't think it's anyone's cup of tea. All right. Well, give us. All right. What's your What's your favorite uh, road? You know, road place to eat. Go to maybe. Or road uh, place to eat. Well, because wow. favorite thing to eat on the road. Favorite thing to eat. Honestly, you're kind of limited. If you're on the road, whatever's near the hotel. Like I've had more Applebee's and Chili's than I care to ever have in my entire life, and it's. Like some places are worse than others. Alaska Applebee's it has a sign out in front saying it's the best Applebee's in Alaska. I swear to God, it's the only one. It's the worst service, <laughs> terrible food, but like you can't go anywhere else. It's brutal. And so uh, I know like you know, fun places to go to. Obviously, South Carolina, Charleston, that's unbelievable. Uh, there, Colorado's a cool place to go to. Um, I don't know. I think. Uh, what about Brampton? <laughs> Yeah, I never went to Brampton, but we did go to um, Kansas City, and there was a Man vs. Food uh, challenge there. And so my buddy and I went there. It was called the Ultimate Destroyer, and it's like a six-and-a-half-pound meal with a bunch of barbecue and stuff on it and a pound and a half of fries. So uh, that was one of the places we went to, and I didn't finish it, but it was was delicious. And So that was probably one of the more fun uh, experiences eating out. Uh, Nice. Well, hopefully this year you get the opportunity to go to Brampton. uh... (laughs) All right. It's it's a really it's a sight to behold, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've heard things about it, but uh, I don't Shut know. Up. We'll see. It's it's not a good place uh, to be. <laughs> so we're gonna put you on the spot for one last final question. Uh, the East Coast Hockey League uh, is kind of known for uh, some some war road stories. Do you have any like one good one that you think you know? Nothing too graphic, too too uh, that we don't want to get you in trouble. But Yikes! Anything. Yeah, maybe after I retire or something like that, I can share more of the meaty stories. Um, I'm trying to think about. I don't want to get anyone else in trouble either. But um, well, I mean, there are some good stories, and um, I don't know. I guess I might have to take some of those to the grave with me. But I, I think I don't know, like a, a funny story that just kind of pops up in my head is when I I actually fought this year. So I fought another goalie in Colorado, and so. That was just kind of a, a cool story, and, and all the boys were kind of happy about it. So I guess that's I don't know that's not the stuff that you're looking for. But what'd you guys say to each other before uh, you dropped mitts? Was it just was it just like a, a general agreement, like a nod, or was it? Yeah. So it was. Um, he went to the bench. It was a delayed penalty, so he was at the bench, and it was um, kind of one of those moments where I, I thought maybe he'd want to go. I've challenged many people in the past, but they always say no, and um, I knew that he fought before, so he'd probably want to do it. He had like. He had 30 pounds on me, so um, he just kind of – I shook in, uh, my stick in the air, and he gave the nod, and so we met at center ice, and, like, he was a big boy, and so I just tried to land as many as I could, and so I actually uh, cut him up a little bit. He had to get zipped up, so I was pretty proud about that, but um, that was just kind of about it. I don't know if I'll ever get in another goalie fight again. Nice. So what to know in your professional fighting career then. Yeah. I Go out on top. 
I fought once in bar league too. Um, so two and zero. But uh, yeah, one and zero in my professional career. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. We're gonna honor the Mercier Bentley tradition. If you like fighting so much, when you're done playing, we'll have you and Jimbo square off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's got to say something mean to me or something about my girlfriend then maybe. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I might retire. I, I got punched one time, and uh, I landed several punches, but still getting punched is, is not that fun. So I think I'm going to hang him up. Yeah, that's why we became goalies, so you don't get hit in the face, right? Yeah, yeah. we got all the equipment on, so that's why. <laughs> all right. Well, again, I'd like to thank you, Brandon, for coming on. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, good luck. We hope you uh, obviously sign sign soon and sign big and uh jimmy anything else to add yeah just thanks for coming on and say hi to to grammar for me yeah i i will for sure i uh, i appreciate it fellas and maybe we'll talk in the future sounds good good. thanks all right thanks and again we'd like to thank brandon for coming on with us taking time out of his busy schedule he was only in buffalo gym for like a day and a half and he spent that time with us really grateful yeah i said you know hats off and thanks to him again that's uh we really appreciate that uh good guy and uh yeah i hope you guys enjoyed that uh, that interview because we really did he's he's a good dude and he was uh it was good uh, good talking to him catching up with him definitely so uh i think we, we would like to have some fun with the end of the season and uh you know with so much talk going on especially in the uh the nba and the nhl about like past teams past players all, comparing blah 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 um, we thought we'd, you know, fart around a little bit and for our shooter's choice this week, we'd, uh, give ourselves, you know, top five hockey players that ever played the game. And, uh, we've been talking a little bit about this before and I think we, we have some, some similarities, but also some differences and we're willing to, uh, you know, really bring out the big guns in order to, uh, uh validate our opinions. All right. Let so, me start uh, then here. I got, I- wait, 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 before we get that, uh, back by popular demand, our, uh, our producer, Joe Montesano. I uh, would like to weigh in on the topic as well. So uh, I think the order, since since Jimmy apparently can't keep it in his pants, uh, Jimmy will go first. Ladies first, we'll have, Jimmy. Uh, Ladies first, Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy. All right, so my first one is uh, Darius Kasparaitis, Dimitri Yuskevich, <laughs> Chris Simon, Donald Brashear, and Tim Armstrong. <laughs> the biggest goons. So, right. you know, let's debate. Let's go. You definitely were writing that shit down beforehand. No, that's all in my head, boys. Not, not, a, not on paper at all. Oh, man. All right. The only one I have a problem with is Darius Kasparitis. I was oh. going to say Yuskevich is my problem, but the, all right. Okay. Well, he's elite. All right. All right. We're going we're gonna, to – I think the better best way to go about this is anybody who doesn't have Gretzky, you're an idiot. Anybody who doesn't have or – also an idiot. Okay, here you guys actually start. So I, that that was a joke, obviously. So okay. Go. So do we do we all have Gretzky and Orr? Can we get those two out of the way? Just say your top okay, five, and then we'll go. So I'll here, I'll go. I'll, 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 go, just... I'll go. All right, go, Joe. All right, all right, go, Joe. My number five, Sidney Crosby. Number four, Gordy Howe. Number three, Mario Lemieux. Number two, the man who revolutionized the fence, Bobby Orr, and number one, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, right, two, two and one. I think that's two and one of all time, but. Tough to argue that. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. So the only, the only, I only have one difference, and uh, a guy who revolutionized uh, the position, uh, the nutminder, the dominator. Oh my god. Number oh, you're such a Buffalo Dominic guy. Cashing is my number five. Buddy, he's not even a top. Oh my god, he's not even a top five goalie. <laughs> oh come on, come on. No, come he, on, he's come probably on. a top five goalie, but uh, no. 
Oh man, disagree. He is a. He is who are you, okay, who are you taking you're out? You're such you a homer. Out? I didn't even put a leaf in there. Uh, how, who are you taking out to put hash? You don't have a leaf that's worthy of that conversation compared to Dominic Cash. Hey, so, so, Cash- so who did you take out? Who did you take out of the top five that I put? Uh, Gordy Howe. <laughs> you took out Gordy Howe? <laughs> For Dominic Hashik. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, so you have, Jim, what do you, you got you have Gretzky, Lemieux, or Hashik and Crosby. Yep. Okay. So mine, other than, than uh, the great one, I think Wayne's obviously the number one player of all time. I'll go or number two. Three, I'll have Lemieux. We said not to rank him, but all right, go ahead. Okay, fine. And then <laughs> supposed to be no particular order. Four. Okay, I got Sidney Crosby. Five. This is the big one here, boys. You're gonna oh love boy. this one, Marty McSorley. No, <laughs> no, I'm just Yarmy Yager. You know what? I have a problem with that. I got Yogs. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Yogs. How do you not have a problem? Like, because you know, you know why I don't have a problem with Yager? It's because he's been so elite for such a long time. Three generations, two different leagues, and he's been an elite player. He, he's still elite right now. He's leading Florida. I mean, he's not doing point-wise, but leadership alone. Gordy uh, Howe did the same thing in Hartford. So, I'll also uh, say this about uh, Yarmer Yager. He's not only a leader in the dressing room, but he's a leader taking down 18-year-old honeys too. Like that's that's something that's got to go with his, uh, you know, his elite status and his legacy. Yeah, his, uh, his so bar we'll go- play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot you of people talk about top-down so leadership, but Yager's is more of a bottom-up leadership. Exactly. Bro, he's so elite, <laughs> he can't he can't even get bribed properly. He's like, whatever, put it on Instagram. I'm good. That's top five of all time for me. So. I Man, Yogg's and he might keep playing until he's sixty-two. Like yeah, that guy, I, I, that guy's got a motor like nobody else. Oh, so, yeah. so who did you take out of the, of the my top five? Then who did you take out? Took, or, took, we both took out How. We both took out How. We both didn't think How was deserving of the top five. Okay, well you know what, your yours is just stupid because Hasek no, but I, I, I kind of get Jimmy's actually. I get it a little bit. I don't really shit. Gags, I can't. That's my top five. That's my top five. Who would you put as a higher – well, the only person I would put as a higher goaltender, maybe, and I, I'd hear the debate for is Wah. I would put Wah and Tashik as my one-two. Uh, Broder. Wah, Broder. Come on, man. Hasik? <laughs> if you look at that team – Vladislav Trechiak, I'd put ahead. Yo, on that, yeah, I agree there. On that, on, that Sabres, on that Sabres 1999 team, that team that made it to the finals and ended up losing to Dallas, who, who on that team is worth noting? Yeah, yeah, Daniel yeah, 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 yeah. What? Is Daniel Briere on that team? Daniel Briere was not on that team. I don't even know that. Nobody remembers anyone Jason on that team. That team was literally just Dominic Hasek. And that was a team that he led all the way to the Stanley Cup. Oh, no, Miroslav Shatan. Oh, yeah, Miro Shatan. Yeah, he's, he's really a lot to write home about there. Buddy, Miro Shatan. Again, like Miro Shatan and Mike Pekka are your number one. Great players, solid players, but they're nothing to write home about. That team had That's, nothing. He, he, you're gonna drop Jay McKee bomb, bomb on me. What, like Dominic Ashik is not. He, man, he's okay. Okay, we'll, he, we'll agree so to disagree, much, boys. The number so one, teams, teams number good. one guy on the team was Hassan. Why had Sackick in front of him? Why had Blake in front of him? Why had uh, okay? Well, what about when when Hasek went to Detroit? 
Where, they want the you want cups. You want a cup. Yeah, but who do you have in front of them? Good players. Yeah, well, man, I'm so, I'm sorry. Pat Patrick Waugh, easily ahead of him. Didn't Artie Brodeur easily ahead of him. Wait, wait a sec. Didn't Patrick Waugh set a uh, shutout streak uh, record in the playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens? You cannot even compare Hasek and Waugh. Yeah, uh, you're you're out of your damn mind, Joe. I just did. Well, you know what? Gags, what are you no, smoking? No, no homer really? bias. You're such a freaking no, homer. You're a homer. Hey, boys, you know what? I don't have a lot to uh, to look back and be happy on, but, uh, you know, Dominic Hasek is one of the bright spots of you know, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. I'm going to take Wayne Gretzky and put Dave Keon in. You should toss Ty Domi in there somewhere. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> You put Come Domi on. in there. I, I just brought off Ty, Ty Domi. And I want to, right before we, we wrap up this podcast, I want to bring up some freaking idiot that I saw on Instagram um, that, like, you know how they do the side-by-side photographs? How, like, on the top it's something and then on the bottom it's something? On the top it was, like, Ron Artest fighting a fan. And on the bottom it was, like, all the players from last night going through the handshake line. It was, like, this is why the NHL is so much better, sportsmanship, blah, blah, blah. Ty Domi jumped into the crowd and tried to fight half the audience. No, he didn't. The guy the fell fan, over the, the boards. The yeah, uh, whatever. Hey, Mike Milbury went into the crowd. Yeah, and Mike Milbury threw his shoe. shoe. Okay, so it's so, oh, Mike Milbury. Sorry. <laughs> well, we've already talked about that idiot. Oh, God. not a did fan. You, did you hear the – you got ripped. Uh, last night on NBC Sports, like the fans were just ripping him in half during F bombs. That was good. NBC uh, Sports is going to get get some FCC fines coming that's, their way. Yeah, I that's unreal. I was so happy when I heard that. I saw that. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, uh, pigeon of the year. Yeah, I was going right. to say that guy's a pigeon. Yeah, he is. Uh, Joe Montesano, thank you again for your uh, input. Um, yeah, so so with that, I think we'd like to. Uh, just kind of announce where we where we're going for here. We're gonna do some uh, some draft previews. We're gonna do some expansion draft stuff. We're gonna talk free agency. But uh, the next couple of weeks, um, we're we're just gonna be rolling as as the news goes. So uh, business as usual. So yeah, next next weekend we'll have a lot of content. But uh, and then I, I'm actually gonna be in Europe. For the, I leave on Saturday. Go for a couple yeah. weeks. So we'll try and get uh, another one out after the awards. We'll we'll because we're we're gonna do a, an award preview, some uh, draft uh, expansion draft preview, um, and then actual draft preview as well next week. But after that, we'll do uh, kind of a draft recap and then an awards recap. Um, we'll try and get that. Hopefully, we'll be able to kind of get our schedules in line with me being in Europe. But uh, yeah, we'll get yeah. that to you guys. I don't know how interviews are gonna work, uh, just to be honest. But uh, we'll 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 figure something out. Yeah, we might have to we might have to scrap heap uh, an interview for for that week there, but uh, we'll figure it out. All right. Sounds good. So once again, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our uh, our Shooter's Choice segment uh, labeled yelling really loudly and not making any sense. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. Jimbo, you want to sign off? Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, always appreciate the listeners. So uh, we'll see you again next week.